On October 16, 2017, more than 100 progressive investors joined forces with the International Club of Rome and the Aqua Group to launch the investment turnaround, the investment vendor. We believe that we can all look into a bright and exciting future because we can reinvent ourselves and make our financial, business and economic systems integrally sustainable. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world leaders and role models who are already on this path and who can guide us with their advice and wisdom. Today, Dr. Bosazan interviews renowned impact investor Dr. Charlie Kleisner. He believes that the fundamental and deeper meaning of wealth is to make a contribution to humanity and the planet. He argues that modern portfolio theory has to be reconceptualized to integrate impact. It's an honor to be here, and I very much look forward to our conversation. So, how did you arrive at being such an amazing person, uh, such an impactful force for the good in the world? What happened in your life that put you on the path to impact investing? And why investing? Um, so, first of all, thanks for the kudos. You know, I think we all are called to do what we're supposed to do. And it's really about co-creation and collaboration and making a difference, a meaningful difference with who we really are, as opposed to just intellectually, just with your mind. And um, I come to impact investing from two very distinct angles. And one is actually more from the heart and the other one is from the mind and they go hand in hand. And um, so, as you have pointed out, I made a very successful career in Silicon Valley with uh, three startups, and particularly the last one, Ariba, where I was the CTO, and which we took public, resulted in the majority of our wealth, significant wealth. And so my wife Lisa and I had to reflect on the meaning of wealth for us. And uh, for us, it was clear to both of us that the only possible answer to the question of meaning of wealth is to make a positive contribution to humanity and the planet. And so we consider wealth to come with responsibility, with the responsibility of aligning it with all the other activities that we do and the values that we believe in, including holistic sustainability and doing the right thing. And so from that perspective, I think that is the intrinsic motivation for both of us to do something meaningful with our wealth, which is now called impact investing. I think the other motivation really comes from being a systemic thinker and a systemic, I would say, challenging the status quo type of person. So we are at the beginning of an unprecedented global transformation that will affect every system on the planet and including the financial system. When we looked into the classical way of doing philanthropy and investing, it was clear that both in its pure form, are not contributing to alleviating the really systemic issues of this planet, including climate change, poverty alleviation, social justice, inequality. They're actually contributing to that. 
and the, the philanthropy side is creating dependencies and unnecessary uh, lack of um, dignity uh, that goes along with that. And, and responsibility. And responsibility, yeah. And, and the for-profit maximizers obviously, you know, are only working for themselves and, and thus we ended up with a financial system that actually just serves itself as opposed to humanity. And that's what we need to change. And we come to that from these two angles, from a personal conviction as a human being that we need to make a positive contribution with everything that we have and the intellectual capacity that we have where we see the trajectory of humanity is an expression of its consciousness and it's not that great right now. And so we need to change that. Well, thank you. This is well put and it's so much in line with uh, where we're coming from. Thank you. So what advice would you give investors who, are, who have arrived at the same mm -hmm. conclusions, partial conclusions even? Mm -hmm. Where should they go? What yeah. should they do? Um, where do yeah. we find help? Where would if, do mm -hmm. we find mm -hmm. kindred souls? Yes. It's very important to, to do that because we all need kindred souls, right? Because that's how our, our human brain works. And, um, you know, we are, like you said, co-founders of Tonic and the 100% Impact Network, which is a sub-network of Tonic. And we don't advertise that much for the reason of we, want to, we don't want to attract the wrong people. We only want to attract the people who are actually also on this mindfulness journey to see their wealth not as an intellectual exercise, like you mentioned, but as an expression of who they really are. So when people awaken to that, um, to, to that difficulty maybe of realizing, oh my God, you know, my wealth is actually working contrary to what I believe in, which some people, you know, take a long time to wake up, not because they're bad, it's just a way of, you know, their mindfulness journey. But once they do, the first thing they should do is detoxify their portfolio. Get rid of stuff that really is against your convictions, right? If you really care about uh, inequality and you invest in something that clearly contributes to that, divest out of that. If you believe that the fossil fuel industry is not something that you want to support, get out of it. If you don't believe that you want to support the weapons and, and all that, get out of it, right? And, uh, and, and so know what you own first and then get out of what you don't want to associate with yourself and you will be able to sleep again at least, right? <laughs> and then, you know, in today's age, you can actually go fairly easily in what I would call broad impact as opposed to deep impact. And the broad impact movement, so I would say that the impact ecosystem right now has two megatrends associated with it. And one is, I call it broad impact movement. And it's basically the ESG movement. It's the environmental, social, and governance movement, where institutional capital, particularly for the liquid portions of your portfolio, offers products that are now better managed with criteria that just make a lot of sense. It has not a lot to do with deep impact, ESG, but it has to do with good management and therefore they get better returns and now the, in, in, the, uh, the institutional capital is catching on to that and actually going into that. It's a good thing, right? Uh, it does not challenge the system, however, and it's non-transparent and it's usually not intentional. 
And so the way that you express a portfolio with respect to who you really are is to align it with your intention of being a human being on that level. And obviously in institutions are managed usually by men who have a job, right? And so it's not surprising that they also don't go as deep as maybe they could in the future. So that's broad and it's an important movement. And most of the 100% portfolios have an exposure to that type of product for either liquidity reasons or maybe um, some uh, financial risk uh, analysis reasons or something else. The deep movement is complementary to that and it actually goes into asking the fundamental questions of the meaning of wealth and the meaning of the theory that drives the asset management portion of the financial industry. And uh, that means that they ask fundamental difficult questions about, for instance, uh, how do you integrate real impact into the theory of asset allocation, right? Which right now is not even discussed. It's called an externality and, and the normal industry is okay dealing with it in that way. Now, deep impact investors are not. They are working on integrating these externalities into the products, into the methodologies, and into the research, and into the theories that hopefully would help us correlate or not correlate, causally relate to or not relate to impact risk and return to financial risk and return. And so after, to, to answer your question, you know, after you detoxify your portfolio, you explore the ESG movement, you can go into many things liquid, so you don't tie yourself up as you want to explore how to go deeper into impact. And then you ask the question of what impact do you want to have? And depending on what, what comes up there, then you start aligning a portion of your portfolio with the deeper impact that you desire. And you probably unshackle yourself from having to comp compare yourself to meaningless benchmarks of what they call market rate return, because market rate return is actually pulling in companies and funds that we would never be able to invest in. And yet that's how the industry works. They only work on comparing themselves to market and they pretend in modern portfolio theory as if the market is a God-given fixed thing that's not influenced by us. And that's the fallacy of the theory behind impact investing, behind investing. Right. So the key question is, how do we change those markets? And we know that it is extremely important to also work with politicians and regulation and people who set up the standards and move toward changing the metrics, the measurement criteria for success away from for profit only, the current measurement criteria, to a more integrated metrics yeah. that brings about the parity. We call it the six Ps, the parity of yes. people, planet, profit, and then it comes the personal intentions uh, with passion and purpose. Yeah. And which is, by the way, the reason why uh, we together, and thank you for participating uh, last uh, October in you know, the launch of um, yeah. the investment turnaround, what we call in German investment vende. What a nice uh, visionary project. So thank you for enabling me to participate. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor to have you be part of it, as it is an honor to be part of Tonic and 100 Percenters. So now that... Most of the countries signed the Paris Agreement, the COP21, and we have the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. What is 
your advice on how to concretely take bottom up because that's what's actually happening get those criteria integrated mm-hmm. and move and show people how it can be done in a more integrative way great and, and um, before I do that uh, the question that you framed before just prompted me to maybe reflect on public equities and institutional capitalist claims of caring just quickly because I do believe in the context of broad impact it's a very important discussion and um, I applaud Larry Fink, um, you know, to make a statement, for instance, that he would wish to that every company makes a positive impact and reports on that, and I agree with him on that. But in public equities, I want to remind our listeners and ourselves that 80% of public equities are controlled by companies like his, by five companies, as a matter of fact, right? And to say that they should change themselves and not putting pressure on because they sit at the, at the leverage point of being able to put pressure on. And I would like to ask Larry Fink and the others to report on their net impact since they ask others to do that. So as soon as UBS and Deutsche Bank and Larry Fink says our company is contributing that much to negative impact and that much to positive impact and not hide behind the interpretation of their lawyers that they're not responsible for continuing to invest in weapons, for continuing to, to invest in the, in, in the worst oil companies possible, they hide behind that and, and, and sort of point the finger at others. So let's make sure that we hold them accountable for transparency as well since they ask the right questions. And investing in public equities, that's why you know, investing in public equities is lightweight, is, is shallow, uh, because unless you vote your proxies and are an active shareholder, you cannot even claim any responsibility for being, being able to influence them going into deeper impact. I hope that these companies over time will see opportunities to go deeper, will see opportunities to put fund structures together that are more thematic in nature, and they're starting to appear in water, in waste management, in topics, you know, where the industry actually embraces these ideas, but on the social side, of course, it's not happening yet because the market doesn't agree with us that the social inequality and injustice will also have to be integrated ultimately into the market forces in order to have a livable planet for everybody. So I wanted to just end regulation because you said what the politicians are just, and then I go to to answer your question, the the second question. And regulatory frameworks do have a big responsibility, right? Um, Because Look at the pension funds in France. There, the regulators, I think, decided that the pension funds need to invest at least 10% of their assets in in at least ESG funds, which is a step forward, right? Now, hopefully, in the future, they would say 10% into into thematic deep impact. So it's one step forward. And it's great to see pension funds moving into ESG because it's better than non-ESG. So, uh, but we're way away from going deep on that level. Now, the question of what can you concretely do is a very important question to your second question, right? Because if we just keep on philosophizing about you know, this and that and, and cannot really take action, then we don't um, contribute to the ultimate change in the system. And so in order to change in the system, the change of the system, there's m- many opportunities to do that today. Now, while we... Um, invent the new system, we have to compare ourselves 
in the language of the old dying system do the metaphors of the old dying system because we don't have the new one yet and hence you know we need to even report with respect to metrics that come up, up in, the, in, in, the, in the modern portfolio theory that's wrong but we have to do that now at the same time we're inventing the new vocabulary of the new system which we don't fully understand yet but we know some aspects of it one big aspect of it we already talked about, and that's the expectation of what they call market rate return. It's the wrong paradigm because markets you know, are not right now not integrating holistically what we care about. And they're not caring about systemic change. They only care about enriching the, either the LPs, the GPs, or the investors of the in public equity companies. Right? And, uh, and, and, and so what we, need to, we need to change that paradigm such that we build impact portfolios where we say we would like to accomplish a certain impact in the context of a systemic impact and given the risk that we are willing to take on the impact side what are the appropriate asset classes and opportunities to invest in and what level of financial return can we expect so you see I just turned the whole thing around as opposed to saying uh, tell me your risk appetite in the context of financial risk and return only. How, that's how the system works. And I would tell you the asset classes and they overlay the asset classes with impact. I just turn it around and say, you want to build a beautiful portfolio of 100% impact in a given theme, depending on the impact risk that you want to take, that will show you what you can invest in. And then you bracket the return expectations into that. So that's going to be the new word, the postmodern portfolio word. And that, those will be the new benchmarks, which we, don't, we, which we don't have yet. So as you then say, how do I express my themes in particular investments, in this investment, in that investment, then SDGs come up as one way of, of mapping that, right? And you, have, you can go both bottom up and top down. You could say, you know, if you, if you choose to invest in a portfolio top down, you could say, I'm interested in, 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 in a portfolio that mitigates climate change and is, is making a difference in social justice, as an example, right? So those are two SDGs, I think. Um, and then you can say, okay, what risks do I want to take? If I want to, if I want to get between three and five percent, you know, return or whatever, you know, what's the appropriate investments that I can take across blended asset allocate, blended um, investment opportunities? So depending on the themes, some themes need what they call subsidized capital in order to make a difference. Nothing wrong with that if that's your theme and you have appropriate capital to deploy. You know, there's no market for that. Therefore, market rate returns don't even make sense to compare yourself to, right? And um, you know, just to give you some data points on the 100 percenters, you know, which you're part of, uh, we now have about 120 portfolios in that, representing about uh, $6 billion of committed capital. That's not net worth, it's committed capital to impact, right? And, uh, and about 20% of that capital does not compare itself by design to market rate returns and benchmarks because many of us believe it's irrelevant and by the way we might beat what they call market rate returns it's not that we are always talking about you know below market rate which in our case we yeah. did yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so we just need to change the, the, the way that we talk about it. And, and, and to finish that thought, you can do top-down, but you can also do bottom-up. And it's very important because sometimes we don't understand yet the outcomes that, you, that we want to influence. And, and more importantly, and I know that you will resonate with this 
we have to be detached to a certain extent from the outcomes because we might have it wrong. And so then we have to, you know, re reconfigure and say, because it's difficult, just change, right? Yeah. Evolution takes place. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but, every, but we can map every investment, you know, bottom up to an SDG and to outcomes. And the tonic tools and others enable, and other networks and other, other investors, of course, enable now impact investors to do that. And, and that enables us to aggregate and enables us to work across silos, right? Because uh, the, impact the deep impact investors that, 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 that I'm talking about are mostly private investors, not yet institutional investors, right? And so, but it's a great opportunity for us to work together with institutional capital on SDGs, right? Because we all agree that that's a nice framework to frame ourselves. And we can even work with the UN, which is very, you know, it's hard to work with, but at least they also believe they drive the, you know, the SDGs for God's sake. So we should be able to collaborate with them. Yeah. So, and I can you tell us a little bit about the tool that yeah. you have developed to match those SDGs? Yeah. Because one of the most important questions that we individually have, yeah. you know, yeah. as as um, mostly early stage investors, yeah. how do you do that? How do you build a what we call these days a teal company, an integrated, con highly conscious company? Yeah. You have to pick up the measurement criteria and yeah. match them to whatever the company does yeah. from the very beginning. From the very beginning, and I think I've always been inspired by you know, your integrated methodology because you, like many other impact investors and conscious investors, start with evaluating knowing the person that you invest in. So I think that's the most important criteria. Is that, that, that person a person that really cares about making a difference with their lives, right? And if they do, great. Then we can actually start doing the due diligence. If they don't, then we don't do a due diligence because then it's not worth our time, right? And uh, so I think that you have brought that to the table the explicitly. Yes, yeah, the foundation. And then you say, okay, well, but um, what do you actually care about? And then you do financial due diligence. We are firm believers in full financial due diligence, well, and, and then the full impact due diligence, right? And, and then and then we invest or not. Now, with respect to the tool, right? So so this. Um, um, so, so, so there has been a great effort recently in the industry called um, Impact Management Project, IMP, that was partially driven, or actually it was, it was led by Bridges Plus and Bridges, and they did a great job reaching out to hundreds of constituents across all sectors, including institutional and private capital, to reinvent um, to a certain extent the um, the terminology of, uh, of impact, that continuum where we used to say impact first to financial first, we, we move beyond that because we want to be more holistic and get the intentionality of the investor in there as well and match it up with the intentionality of the investee and then you can really, really, really do that. And, um, and so, so Tonic has developed crowdsourced with, with its own members a mapping from SDGs to impact themes, right? Because SDGs are very high level. And, it's, and, 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 so you, and one SDG can deal with many different themes, and one theme might be able to, to, to be expressed in multiple SDGs. So it's in many-to-many -many mappings, right? So because um, you know, if you invest in, 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 in cook stoves, you know, that might account to you know, alleviating poverty because it helps uh, people to cook and have more income. It helps the climate change because if it's a cook stove that actually you know, doesn't create a lot of pollution, that's part of that. And so you can see that the theme really you know, connects to multiple SDGs. And so what Tonic has developed 
and is, has rolled out to its uh, 100 plus portfolios, is a simple spreadsheet, which, you know, it's not that simple, but it's simple enough to, to use, where, where the Tonic members and others, it's an open source tool that you can download from Tonic's website, of course, where you can articulate for each one of your investments in each asset class, either top-down or bottom-up, the impact that it has, right? If you, if you don't know, if you don't care about SDGs, some of us don't, some of us do, then you start maybe with a theme and you say, which metrics do I use within that to measure the impact? If you care about the SDG, then the tool allows you to go into SDG. Then you say within the SDG, we, we support some default mapping, so you can overwrite that with your own mapping into themes. And then when you go into the theme, we go in, out into suggesting some iris metrics. Um, and if you like them, great, you can use them, or you, you use some other metrics and override it. So it's on one level quite simple, and it enables us for the first time to discover impact clusters, right? And uh, because, you know, we invest in one cook stove company, you invest in a different cook stove uh, company, we articulate what we measure. You look at that and maybe copy part of it and then add some other things that you care about. But that way then we can, and then it maps into SDGs, we can then say, okay, we both support these types of SDGs. And depending on, on where you want to look into that, you can then aggregate, compare, inspire, copy. Uh, and it, we're at the beginning of this, uh, but it's a very, powerful beginning and it's a very um, fast beginning in the sense that it's being adopted quite rapidly and I'm very very and we, and we use this tool too and I don't know if you want to explore that in our conversation to then use this data in anonymized form 1800 investments right now and share that with the research community community to where they look at the impact in SDGs or in themes or in, in, in IRS indicators and then do a longitudinal study of our 100 plus portfolios, anonymized of course, to figure out if we indeed make the financial protections that we have in the tool as well. And since we have over 100 data points, they are able to do statistical analysis and regression test analysis, which of course is an important tool for uh, modern data sets. And now I, I put one more thought into you because I'm from Silicon Valley after all, if we really had very robust data sets, which we, which we will have in three to five years, then we finally can do AI learning on top of that and then create with an AI algorithm that actually is useful for humanity, impact portfolios that are useful for humanity. And that is, you know, we're maybe three to five years away from the first algorithms like this, but you can see it coming. And then we go away from the beautiful AI brains being wasted on proprietary analysis of ESG only that, that will be sold with uh, mega bucks to, to clients who are willing to pay for that to an open source impact AI that actually helps the uh, reallocation of the financial industry to something meaningful and serve the planet. Brilliant, because that was actually my next question. <laughs> you and I are both computer scientists and have a right. long history mm -hmm. on artificial intelligence and Silicon Valley background. Mm -hmm. Actually, we studied computer science at a time when most people didn't know what it was. Yes, They, yes. Thought, they thought they would uh, be journalists or something. I don't know. I think we started uh, maybe at the same time. I started in, like in 75. Yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, 79. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, very yeah. close. And so, then I have a PhD in computer science. Um, and then I worked at a company as the VP of engineering called DataMind. And it was uh, very, you know, it was, it was very deep into using neural networks and um, genetic algorithms. 
And the only application that was commercially available to us at that point in time was predicting your behavior as a consumer. I'm not totally proud of this, you know, but, uh, but it's not an impact. But it was, the point is more that uh, the algorithms didn't change that much. There's now more feedback loops integrated into them, and they are much more powerfully executing because the hardware changed dramatically in the last 15 years. And so the, the training mechanisms of teaching your algorithm how to interpret that data and come up with a predictive capability you know, is much more powerful now than it was before. For several levels yeah, yes, of yes. It does not, of course, include intentionality and consciousness like some people in Silicon Valley claim that's absurd, you know, you know but, but, but still the AI capabilities with respect to learning and prediction are much more powerful than we used to have it and there's some self-learning integrated into that. And we can and should leverage that for reinventing the financial industry. I couldn't agree more and that was um, mm -hmm. the goal of my question. Mm -hmm. How do we use our consciousness evolution you know, to mm -hmm. later stages of development that move from egocentric yeah. to ethnocentric to world-centric to impact this industry that is up and coming. And it appears to so many people, including Elon Musk, you know, and, you know, as the biggest threat since humanity, civilization. So how can we, because you and I agree that those who inform those AI systems have to be at a later stage of development in order to prevent, instead of egocentric, so a la Trump, yeah. to prevent destruction of humanity and use AI or artificial general intelligence or whatever volitional yeah. intelligence that, to, for the good of humanity instead yeah. of going in the wrong direction. So what is your take on it? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so... Um it, it is a fundamental question, right? Because as you rightly point out, um, the people who develop the algorithms, they are subject to their own biases and their own um, way of, you know, we all have biases and, and science is catching up to that and you can't totally avoid it. And so the way to, uh, the only way to avoid it is to be observing it and cognizant about it and then you can take the edges off and you can complement your own biases with others to make it less biased, right? And that takes a, uh, that takes an openness and an awareness that you that you that you spoke to, and the question is how can we make sure make sure that the the the, the engineers who are doing these are you know integrally informed yeah, in, informed. I don't have the answer to that. When I so, but I've I've started to reinsert myself into the discussions with a new wave of. Um, of startups on that level that are doing um, impact risk assessments with AI and, and blockchain for the ESG community. And, uh, and, and in the next few months, I would like to explore with them that they are going to be our partners so that we can design the data collection methodologies that I just mentioned before over the next few years in such a way that they will be able to use their AI machinery on our data sets as well. So that's the first thing, right? Because then we know that we have something that can be actually used. Right now there's not that many data sets available and you know that if we don't have training data, it's like the Facebook scandal, right? That they have to have access to data, they force themselves into that and then they could train their algorithms, you know, to do predictive behavior and, and behavior um, bias uh, manipulation in many different systems, including the election. I, th I think that the business model of monetizing our behavior without our consent and serving us 
ad advertisements that we don't ask for is a dying business model. And people don't really see that because they are the captains of the industry right now, but you and I have been around the block and we can see that it's already starting to crumble. And I can see the startup movement where um, we go beyond that, where we get back into control of our own data, right? Where we will be able to negotiate with, with, with data, with people who want to have our data, depending on what we want to share, what, what they should pay us for that. And that's a few years away, but we can see that coming. And, and that's where we need to insert ourselves from the AI capability to match that with the right uh, uh, crowdfunding mechanisms, you know, that are intentional and put impact also at its core, not just financial returns. And now is the time to start moving these small pebbles that then will be growing into little wavelets and then hopefully will become the ocean ultimately as opposed to an externality again. Right, which of course needs to reach a certain critical right mass. Now, so so, and, and right now, you know, if we don't do anything, AI will be used to enrich the rich, to, to make the institutions richer and the LPs and the, and the venture capitalists who are behind that. If and we, increase yeah, inequality, yeah. which yes, is a disaster yes, for yes, all of us yes. because we cannot yeah. eat the money that we yeah. have. We need. And a lot of times, you know, the, the impact community is maybe not as well versed in technology, you know, and so we need to be the bridge builders uh, to make sure because many, many engineers are motivated to do the right thing if, we just, if they just had the opportunity to do that, right? And so we are, we, so that's, we are, are creating these opportunities and then they will be able to self-actualize in a different way and that's, I get back to your question, if we can do that, then the engineers who work for that type of company, they would be able to, to uh, self-actualize with the consciousness that you talked about. Which brings me to the next question. As if we had discussed our questions before, we didn't. Then to the next question, you and I and Lisa and, and my husband met in the office of Deepak Chopra during a right, meditation yeah. seminar. I remember yes. it was like 15 years ago or yes. something, where he introduced us because he saw the commonalities in what we're doing. So you have been a meditator for, I don't know, decades. So, so have mm -hmm. I. And we see in Silicon Valley, you know, the movement toward mindfulness. So, it is you know, happening. at Google yeah, yeah. and everywhere. Yeah. 1440, so, right? And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So mm -hmm. from my perspective, um, I think that this could shoot backwards if people become free. And, yeah. you know, as a programmer, they all of a sudden see, have access to different realities yeah, yeah. what from your perspective you know it could happen oh, what I happened to that. us <laughs> what happened to us we left yeah. the industries because we couldn't take it any longer and after a period of quietness and meditation we came back because we knew that the combination between the two the inner and yeah. the outer isn't that interesting yeah. 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 <laughs> is actually you know yeah. is needed out yeah. in the world yeah. to create uh, so yeah you know you know just just to riff off of that you know to me uh, the opportunity of, of making a small contribution to the intersection of consciousness, technology, and wealth is very, uh, you know, is very enticing, you know, from my background and, and to combine these because, you know, at this level of the evolution of humanity, uh, the, the technology and the disruptions that, that it provides are, we have to take that into account, the, the way of communicating, and it, and it can be used, as you point out, in a positive way or a negative way, right? And we need to enable the communication, the, the, 
the networks, the modern networks that we talked about, you know, are global networks of communities of people who are conscious about what they want to do, and and um, and that's what it's all about. And we need to use when we can use modern technology to enable this community worldwide to move forward. We are humanists, even so. We understand the pitfalls and the beauty of tribalism. We want to augment the beauty of tribalism, push away the the the, the bad, the, the really challenging dark sides of tribalism, and enable a connection of the humanists in each tribe to 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 elevate humanity's consciousness to the next level. That is the challenge. If we don't really, if we're not able to do that, then then humanity will just reach whatever potential it has based on the consciousness that we develop. And that's how it, how it works. It's not good or bad. You know, that's how it is. Absolutely. So it's transcending, include an integral uh, language, integral yeah. language, yeah. transcending, take yeah. the good and integrate it to the next level of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned mindfulness and meditation and, and um, I think all 100%ers, right, who commit 100% of their investable assets to positive impact have a mindfulness uh, practice because you would not do that without being aware and being conscious about what you do, having some level of purpose, you know, that's beyond your own ego um, to do that. And, uh, and, and we encourage that, right, because we know ultimately that the impact that, that we have in our lives is a direct expression of who we are, right? And, and, uh, and, and so that's, that's how the word um, works. And if you're a very angry, very, um, very unpeaceful person, it will be reflected in, your, in, in, the, in the impact of your life. And, uh, and, and conversely, you know, if you're very centered and you're... you're um, intentionally wanting to make a positive contribution that's not ego-based and detached from the outcomes, then it, that will show as well. And then, so that's from, an, from a personal standpoint, groups will develop um, a group consciousness that's beyond the individual, right, with uh, what, 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 you, what you have also pioneered with integrative um, uh, opportunities and, and doing, doing, creating containers in, in the words of Otto Scharmer and others, who are pioneers in, in that movement, um, like, including yourself. And now we need to elevate that to humanity, right? Because uh, uh, without that, uh, we just, humanity will self-actualize humanity's consciousness. That's how that works. Yeah. So what is your personal practice? Obviously, you were not born, just like everyone else, we're born as square zero and grew <laughs> into this beautiful integrated uh, Renaissance man. What is your daily practice, you know, that helps you mm-hmm. be the person that you just described? Yeah. So my, my priorities in life are first sleep. So I find that um, uh, if I don't have enough sleep, uh, so I trade off sleep with meditation and yoga, as a matter of fact, if I don't get enough sleep. And, um, and then uh, meditation and then yoga or other uh, practices or uh, skiing or surfing or, you know, things, activities where you get into the flow of the universe and you shut out your brain to a certain extent, right? So when I, when I get to um, ski big mountains in Canada, then the mountain skis me and my, my, my brain doesn't say, I should make a turn here and here. No. I flow down and say, oh, thank you, mountain. That was a nice line that you produced with my body here, you know, beautiful. 
and or in, in my yoga practice. So yoga practice is something that I that I really enjoy and have my, my personal yoga practice and I also do that regularly and uh, and mindfully. And so I'm careful um, to go into my yoga practice mindfully and to exit from my yoga practice mindfully. And uh, most of the time when I'm in, in my yoga practice, then the same thing happens. When you're an experienced yoga practitioner, then you don't do yoga with your brain anymore, but you do it with a, a mind-body combination that's hard to describe because it goes beyond description, where also your body tells you how it, how it wants to align with the universal energies that, that yoga has discovered 7,000 years ago. So it's not like we're making this up right now, right? And, and it's very predictable. If you, if you stay with your yoga practice, you will experience that. But it takes time, right? And, and, I, and on my meditation practice, it goes up and down a little bit. Um, what I try to do is have 10-minute meditations at least almost every day. And ideally, 20 is better. Less than 10... I don't feel really whole, yeah. So, so, but with ten, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm good, and, and so that's um, that's what uh, serves um, my need for um, making sure that I am centered and that I am present, you know, and I am here. Yeah. Beautiful. So we have come to slowly to the end of our um, beautiful interchange. What are three pieces of advice that you would give to investors, to our listeners, that will help them come full circles with what you've said? Three pieces, you know, of somebody mm -hmm. who would want to become a main player in transforming this industry. And yeah. themselves, themselves yeah. as a yeah. human. Um, so I think the, the, the most, most important thing that you can do uh, for yourself is some sort of a, a mindfulness uh, practice uh, because it will enable you to discover on a deeper level who you are. And that's necessary in order to make a deeper impact, right? And, and it's, I was initially in my own search uh, in what wor works for me, I was getting quite antsy and impatient um, in what that would mean for me. And it's very important to say diff different people need different mindfulness practices. It's not one fits all, but there's predictably a few things and one of them or two of them will work for you. And that's meditation, yoga, reflection, going out into nature, doing sports that are not competitive, but sort of get in, in, a, in, in, in some, in, you know, that, that you can get in a different state of mind. Walking, you know, so 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 do something, you know, that speaks to you, and try it out, and uh, and that way you will be able to, uh, to 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 go to go deeper. Number two, I would say is, um, you know, reflect on whom you surround yourself with, whom you collaborate with, whom you work with, and the really good news is that there's many, many, many people right now and many more coming and, and, and awakening to a certain point, right, uh, where they also are authentically wanting to make a difference. And you want to associate yourself with that, with those people, in your business relationships, in your personal relationships. And it's okay to 
push the others out of your life. It's okay to do that. Not, you know, not in a judgmental way, not in a hurting way, but just, you know, don't make room for them because it's very important because we, we need the energy of the others also to thrive, right? And, and so that's the peer environment that you also expressed before uh, that, that, that is important. And then do it. Do it. Don't, you know, do something. So many people get stuck in uh, whether this or that, or is it really deeper opportunity cost? You know, don't don't analyze it too much. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't let your brain lie to yourself. Right? Exactly. <laughs> because it does that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. Of course, this transformation is complicated. It's difficult. So you need to change something. Yeah. And then you go yeah. go to unused, unknown yeah. land. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and that brings up um, uh, a real important realization if it's not slightly uncomfortable for you then you're not going deep enough you have to be compassionate to yourself but you also have to ask the deeper questions that are difficult for yourself nobody leads a perfect life you know we can all do better and uh, and we shouldn't beat ourselves up either but we need to be we can be we can do better and uh, in, in in a compassionate way and once you go on that journey it becomes a way of non-judgment, of com compassion. I've, I've worked hard on myself to be more compassionate. It took me a long time, and I'm still not there, And it, but I, I feel that I'm making progress, right? And, and so once you go on that journey, you go deeper over time. Compassion and love and empathy for yourself. Yeah. I think that's where it all starts. Really once you feel yeah. that here, stop beating yourself up, yeah. which... Uh, I'm very good at. <laughs> then you, yeah. you know, you use the same to the outside, and you kind of uh, emanate the love and the light. And and, and that is, you know, the, the, your inner turmoil is manifesting itself if if you have that. And everybody has some level of turmoil, right? That's part of the human experience. Yeah. And some people have it more, some others less, and you can work on that. Yeah. And of course, you have provided this beautiful um, networks and, and platform yeah. where people can join in this transformation right. once they qualify. Yeah. <laughs> they better. Mm -hmm. So, can you give us uh, information on where people can go and uh, yeah. get more information on, on your work? And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a very important point, right? And so, we have uh, co founded Tonic now about eight years ago, and four years ago, we added the 100% Impact Network, which is a subgroup of Tonic. And, um, and uh, so you can go online uh, and find out about Tonic with T-O-N-I-I-C.com. And there's a lot of tools online that are public, you know, available, and also contact information. And uh, just contact any Tonic member or Tonic staff to, if you say you're interested. We're a very modern network. We're not here to convince anybody to either become members or stay members. If you like what you see, if you like the community, you will become a member. But we are also very, um, uh, it's very important for us to work with anybody who is impactful and create these bridges and, uh, and, and together then you know, elevate uh, the, the, the consciousness and the opportunities for making a difference. Brilliant, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you be with us today. Good luck to you, Charlie. Thank you, Mariana, for the deep conversation. I really appreciate that and for guiding me in that. Thanks. Thank you. To find out more about Dr. Kleisner's work, visit tonic.com. That's T-O-N-I-I-C.com. For more work by Dr. Bosazan, visit investment-turnaround.com.